Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome men as we continue to ramp up for Steelers Niners on Sunday afternoon at Heinz Field. Don't call it Akersher Stadium. You are inside another episode of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Myself, Chris Mack, Josh Taylor on the other side, Greg Finley trying to produce this show and keep us in line somehow. And we're going to start off today with Sterling Bennett, 49ers access in your Odyssey app on YouTube from 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. Sterling, thanks for taking the time to join us today. How you doing? I'm doing great. Looking forward to Sunday, 10 a.m. on the West Coast. Niners, Steelers, week one. Football's back. Let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, 10 a.m. on the West Coast. You know, we talked about this earlier in the week, and I don't think it's necessarily a huge deal because it's week one. And I think teams work around this now. They got you know, 37 people on the training staff telling guys when to go to bed and when to take melatonin and adjust their body clocks and all that. But do you still believe that there's any kind of impact on a, a West Coast team coming east for an early afternoon game? I think I would care more about it, say, week 13 through 14, if it was San Francisco going from the Bay to Philadelphia, then back to Seattle. But it being week one, these guys know what they're doing. They've had, what, two, three weeks of prep for this game, really, and they should be ready to go. Whether it was Pittsburgh coming here or us going there, uh, week one, these guys should be amped up, rested, and ready to go for week one. Sterling, let's talk about the elephant in the room that's no longer an elephant because it's probably <laughs> back down to the size of a gerbil. Nick Bosa signed, sealed, and delivered. The expectation is he's going to play, right? He's going to be in this game and on the field and doing what he does. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan said the only way Nick Bosa's not going to play if he's out of shape and has a beer belly. Uh, if you know Nick Bosa, he probably doesn't have either one of those two things. So he will play. Uh, we'll see what happens today and tomorrow at practice, how his body holds up. The last thing you want is a guy who's held out for the entirety of the offseason and preseason to come in and pull a hammy or pull an abductor or a quad. Um, so we'll see if a soft tissue injury comes up the next couple of days, but he's going to play on Sunday and going to be lined up against a pretty good Steelers offensive line. Yeah, we've seen a lot of improvements from, from that offensive line in this training camp and offseason in particular, Sterling. Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle held off Robert Jones, the first-round pick, who the Steelers traded up to get. Um, but I think there's still a lot of people that are wondering, like, what, what kind of test? Because the Steelers are going to face some serious pass rush tests these first few weeks. They've got Bosa. They've got Miles Garrett in week two on a Monday night. And they've got Max Crosby the week after that, I believe. 
Uh, some big pass rush tests. It starts, obviously, with a guy who's capable of winning defensive player of the year and leading the, the league in sacks. But um, are, are, are they going to necessarily throw him into the deep end physically, Bosa? To your point, will be ready, I guess Kyle Shanahan expects. But um, mentally, are, are they counting on him to do anything more than just, hey, go to use a, a, an old Bill Cowerism, rush the quarterback and simply just go get Kenny Pickett? Yeah, we know we're not really sure yet. Uh, my mind also thinks of a new defensive coordinators in town and Steve Wilkes. How is Bosa going to implement himself into that system? Uh, but I will say this. When you're playing next to players like Eric Armstead, a phenomenal run defender, and Javon Hargrave, you guys know him very well, how great he is against the pass. Uh, having Nick Bosa just in the building, even if it's just on third downs and it is just rush and go get the quarterback, um, we, you guys saw T.J. Watt hold out and come in and get two sacks the next game. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Bosa comes and does the exact same thing. Sterling, Chris, got, he had a, a good mention here about the new defensive coordinator with Steve Wilkes coming in. Of course, you mentioned Javon Hargrave. This is a defense going back to last season. Not much changed, especially with the personnel. These are most of the same guys, and they add Javon Hargrave to this group. They got a group of linebackers that I esteem to probably be, if not the best, one of the best with Fred Warner. And I'm going to be really shameless here and bring up an old Razorback and Dre Greenlaw, who pick. But with a guy like Hafanga in the back in the defensive backfield too, this is a defense that doesn't just like stop people; they hurt people, they hit people, they bruise people. So, with those changes we're talking about, is it that crazy to assume this defense is really going to look that much different? Even though their coordinator has gone on to take a head coaching job, I understand D'Amico Ryan's is gone. But will there be that much of a change as far as how they play defense? Rookie Jair Brown, third-round safety this year out of Penn State, said that he wants to join the hunt alongside wow. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Uh, one thing with this defense is they're coming in knowing they want to hunt quarterbacks and running backs and receivers, but bringing in Steve Wilkes, you know he likes to blitz a ton. Uh, we're going to see a lot of nickel cornerback blitzes with Isaiah Oliver, who Funga likes to play inside the box, and again, if you want to look for a certain change, this defense might be more aggressive when it comes to playing inside the box and trying to get the quarterback, but that could leave them open to being hit over the top. And when you have George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, uh, Pittsburgh likes to push the ball sometimes, and they have guys that can go up there and get it. Uh, if there is a place where San Francisco might be susceptible, it might be that 50-50 goal ball. And George Pickens, one of the best in the league, so watch out for that on Sunday. Yeah, Sterling, I was going to ask you that as we kind of transition into how do the Niners attack the Steelers? How do they attack a second year quarterback? Look, here in Pittsburgh and amongst Steeler fans around the country and around the world, we're all hyped about Kenny Pickett. Five nearly flawless drives in the preseason. He's had that first full NFL offseason to get acclimated to everything. And he, it, it looks like he's used it as much as possible to his utmost advantage. He's gotten bigger, a little thicker more ready to take hits. Uh, we saw his growth down the stretch where he was less risky in some of his uh, decision-making. Uh, what is the, the the process then for Steve Wilkes and the Niners defense in attacking Pickett in this offense? Is it go after Pickett and don't allow the plays over the top like you just alluded to? Uh, or is it let's shut down the run, as so many teams did to the Steelers in the first half of last season, let's put eight in the box, take Najee Harris away, and then – Fine. If Kenny Pickett beats us, Kenny Pickett beats us. We can live with that, but we're not going to let them run the ball and control the clock. Well, I think there's two things that might hold the Pittsburgh Steelers offense back this year. One of them being Matt Canada. When you have a mobile quarterback 
in Kenny Pickett or somewhat mobile quarterback in Kenny Pickett, and you have, what, six total design quarterback runs last year, you're not utilizing your quarterback to his full strength. Uh, Kenny Pickett, known for the fake slide run for a touchdown back in Pittsburgh in college, um, utilize those legs. I don't think San Francisco is going to necessarily have to worry about that. Like We've seen them struggle against Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson in the past. Um, Kenny Pickett's not those guys, or at least isn't used like those guys are. Um, so I, I don't think the mobile quarterback of Kenny Pickett's going to be an issue with his legs. But I do think what Pittsburgh has is weapons that I think – much of the NFL underestimate. Um, my mind thinks of George Pickens playing against Lenore, a smaller cornerback. Pickens is a bigger body guy who wants to go up and get it. And we're talking 50-50 balls. Pittsburgh might be able to push against this defense. Again, you're going to have maybe a young player in Jair Brown playing in his first NFL action, Hufunga playing in the box, and you're leaving to Sean Gibson, an older safety, but a smart safety, back to kind of clean up the rest of the things behind the, the cornerbacks. And when you're leaving a lot of younger players open to be hurt by an offense that has Deontay Johnson and Pickens and even a Pat Fryermuth, like this team can be hurt over the top. But I would expect them to say, let's rattle a young quarterback early. Let's get inside his head. Kind of like how Tampa Bay tried to do to Brock Purdy last year. Let's hit him hard, hit him early and see how he responds to it. Certainly you use the word weapons and we're about what, eight, nine minutes into this segment. And we haven't talked about the weapons on San Francisco's <laughs> offensive. So let's get into that because Chris and I talked about this earlier this week. Well, Chris and Greg talked about it. And then Greg and I talked about it on another podcast. You got three guys, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel and George Kittle, assuming that he plays. These are three guys that every team is going to struggle to stop. Even if an offense had one of these guys, an offense will struggle to stop them. But they've got three on the same offense, and it makes it really tough matchup-wise. And Mike Tomlin talked about it during his weekly press conference. He talked about it might not be as much about stopping Brock Hardy as much as it is trying to find the best way to corral Alex Shanahan's system and how easy it is for quarterbacks to perform in that system. But my question is this. We're talking about the weapons. When we're talking about this offense and how good it is. How much of it is the personnel and how much of it is the system itself? Or is it chicken and egg where maybe the weapons make the system better than it should be? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. You have players like Debo Samuel and George Kittle who just look for contact. They want to run through a linebacker and run through a cornerback and a safety. Uh, thankfully, and no offense to the Steelers defense, but your linebacking core truly isn't that great in coverage. Cole Holcomb, Yolanda Roberts, and even Keanu Neal, depending on how they want to use them, if I was going to point to a certain player to have a big game this this week, it's going to be George Kittle. Or at least what Kyle Shanahan likes to do is eat up defenses over the middle, and that feeds into Brock Purdy's strengths. Now, the big X factor here is Minka Fitzpatrick. He what, led the NFL in interceptions last year, six picks, um, one of if not the best safety in football, and truly can take away the middle of the field if asked to. Um, but this is the issue. You take away Debo, you take away Kittle, here's Christian McCaffrey. Um I don't think there's really another dynamic player in the NFL like Christian McCaffrey. He's a top five runner in football, and he really is a bona fide slot receiver playing running back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that if he goes for a thousand, a thousand this year, he's so good. He can be a dark horse MVP candidate, um, but it does feel like where if you're a defense and you have Debo Samuel circled or George Kittle circled, you still have to also circle Kyle Shanahan. He sets up defenses the best of any other offensive coordinator besides Andy Reid in football. Uh, he'll give you a power run for one yard just to give you a play action for 15 yards later in the game. Um, he's always two or three plays ahead. And while 
you know, having these weapons helps. It's not like Kyle Shanahan hasn't had George Kittle break the single receiving touchdown or yard record for a tight end with Nick Mullins playing quarterback. He's done a lot and hurt a lot of defenses with a lot less. And so if you're asking me, you know, how does the defense stop the Niners offense? Um, that's a question people much smarter than me still can't answer. Sterling Bennett of 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area covers the 49ers. 49ers Access is the podcast. You can get his insight there uh, once you're done listening to Fourth Down in the Steel City, obviously. But let me ask you this. <laughs> you, you, you brought up the idea of, of Shanahan sort of just using George Kittle to take bites out of the Steelers' defense, you know, maybe seven, eight yards at a time. We've seen that for, I don't know, decades now. The Steelers struggling to corral tight ends who can run like receivers and block at times like, well, tight ends. Um, what is the plan, though, if, let's say, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, Alex Highsmith force Purdy into those, this is the, a, a catchphrase now, off-platform moments. Um, if Purdy gets on the move, because I thought it was interesting, Robert Griffin III was on, I believe, Kevin Clark's podcast on The Ringer today and talked at length about how Shanahan prefers to have a quarterback who colors within the numbers. Um, if, Port, if Purdy is forced to color outside the numbers on Sunday, is is that, I guess, the key to causing hiccups in this Niners offense? Well, what Pittsburgh can do that many other defenses can't do, or at least hasn't tried to do, is they have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, Alex Highsmith excuse me, two of the best edge rushers duos in football, but also both those guys can drop back into coverage and give Brock Purdy different looks as to, okay, you think Watt's coming at you, but he's back guarding George Kittle or whatnot or guarding Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think Pittsburgh has the opportunity to almost manipulate Brock Purdy's eyes like he would try to do for them. Uh, but for Brock Purdy, when it comes to the off-schedule stuff, I'm sure you guys watched the playoffs last year. He's running from all the way to one hash to the second hash to finding Brandon Ayuk in the end zone uh, for a drop touchdown. So I don't think it's necessarily worried about Brock Purdy if the off-schedule play has to happen or you know, someone's in his face, can he evade pressure and find the next play. The beautiful thing is, is that they have the best check down player in football where if there is pressure, he's going to find Christian McCaffrey for you know a two-yard dump-off pass that'll go for 10 yards in a first down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sterling, you talked about the Steelers having such a great duo of rush ends. Well, that pair of tackles in San Francisco wasn't too bad either <laughs> last season. I mean, we're we're talking about all these weapons on offense. They may have the best offensive lineman in all of football in Trent Williams. I mean, that man is just absolutely phenomenal. But on the other side of him last season was Mike McGlinchey, and he was a the guy they used a top 10 pick on, if I'm not mistaken, when mm -hmm. they first brought him in. He moves on to Denver. He goes and gets paid to play for Denver. What does it look like now as far as that transition? Because you're going from talking about one of the best pairs of tackles in football to one of those guys leaving. How did the 49ers move on with that transition without Mike McGlinchey? If there is one position battle you point to in this game on Sunday and say, this is where the San Francisco 49ers might get beaten where Pittsburgh can kind of annihilate their offensive line that is right tackle. Colton McKivitz, who was not even told he was the starting tackle until after the NFL draft. Um, 
He had a good camp, held up strong in preseason, but uh, he hasn't played Nick Bosa the entirety of the offseason, and he's going to go out there and play against T.J. Watt and Highsmith, who are, again, a top-three defensive end duo in football. Uh, we're talking about a former defensive player of the year against your, you know, your backup right tackle now going to play and start for you the entirety of the season. Um, really what it comes down to is that Trent Williams is going to be fine. Aaron Banks is going to be fine. But when you point at right tackle, you say, and, and thankfully it's Brock Purdy's strong side, not his weak side behind him, where you can see the play forming in front of him. But my goodness, uh, if TJ Watt wants to have himself a game, uh, this is a game to do it because Colton McKivitz, we don't even know what he is yet. And that's kind of scary for us. Uh, McGlinchey not being the best pass blocking tackle, but a really good run blocker. McKivitz, he's a big question mark this year, and San Francisco is hoping uh, he comes out and proves their gamble worth the risk. But if he doesn't, there's no depth behind these guys. Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor, we saw him in Indianapolis last year. He's a big reason why they were not good uh, with their starting offensive line. So if someone goes down or McKivitz struggles, um, we could really see a run-heavy scheme or a much bigger quick passing game uh, from Kyle Shanahan on Sunday. Before we let you run, Sterling, I got to ask you, um, first of all, do you think it's strange at all that the Niners are favored by two and a half coming into this thing? What's your prediction for this game? And then moreover, it's it's that time of year where everybody makes their season long predictions, too. So we got to ask you, what's your view of the Niners this year? Shoe-ins to win the West? Or are they going to get a fight from Seattle uh, once they get to the playoffs? What are the expectations out there in the Bay Area? But let's start with Sunday specifically. Yeah, I think with San Francisco knowing they were three and five two years ago to start their year, then four and four last year, they notoriously started slow the past two seasons. Uh, getting Bosa back has pushed their favorites from, or the odds from, you know, favored by two to two and a half. So they're getting half a point because Nick Bosa is back on the field on Sunday. Um, I would still tend to lean with this being a loss on San Francisco's behalf. It's a big test early, a, a Mike Tomlin led defense that wants to attack. They're ferocious and they're going to be ready. It's a young offense that wants to prove themselves in a very tough AFC North. You have the Cleveland Browns who want to bounce back. You have Joe Burrow and the Bengals, probably one of the best teams in football. And you have the Ravens who retooled their entire offense. Um, Pittsburgh wants to make a statement. Uh, San Francisco needs to continue to improve. They should be the NFC favorite. And I would not be surprised if we're in for a slugfest on Sunday. I think Pittsburgh wins this game probably by about, you know, six points, maybe 26-20 or, you know, 24 to 17, whatever it might be. It's going to be a slugfest to this hunting or wanting to hunt defenses uh, on the field on Sunday. And whether it's Heinz Field or whatever you guys call it now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some fake catch-up, some blood on that field when it's all said and done. Chris still calls it Heinz Field. You're fine, Sterling. No, yeah. that's what I call it. <laughs> good man. Good man. So <laughs> real, real quick, sir, what, what do you think for the Niners? What are the expectations out there this year? Well, this year, it's very much Super Bowl or bust. We've been in the NFC Championship game or better the past three or four seasons. Um, every time Nick Bosa has played a full year, we've been in the NFC Championship game. He's just signed a five-year extension. So the hope and the idea is that if Brock Purdy was healthy last year, we would have been there again. And with Brock Purdy hopefully improving, I think a lot of the conversation around him kind of neglects that side of he's in year two. He'll get a full season under his belt. Second year in the offense, why can't he play better? And really, we have no idea what he'll be out here. We're hoping he can be the franchise guy. But right now, this is, you know, you need to be in the NFC Championship game. We're hoping it's against Philadelphia again to kind of get some revenge on them. But I would say 11-6, and six, win the NFC West. Seattle probably gets nine wins this year. And we're fighting for being that final four once again when it's all said and done in February, hopefully. 
Great stuff, Sterling. Uh, looking forward to seeing the rest of what you have this week leading up to kickoff on Sunday. 49ers underscore access on Twitter. You can also search 49ers access in YouTube to get Sterling stuff or just go to 95.7 The Game inside your Odyssey app. He covers pre and post for the Niners for 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. Thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you making the time today. Yeah, thank you guys so much and uh, looking forward to Sunday. And Well, I hope San Francisco wins. Uh, Pittsburgh should have a good season in store for them. Great stuff from Sterling. I told you all the places you can catch him. 95.7 The Game inside your Odyssey app, our sister station out in Frisco. No one calls it Frisco, though, Josh. Like, no, they hate is, calling it Frisco. They, they don't like that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's 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 no go. Um, they'll they'll tell like, you Frisco is in Texas. They'll they'll tell you that in a second because there is a town in Texas called Frisco. Called Frisco, and Texas, right? I'm trying to remember. There's one of the major league teams. Their double-A team is in Frisco. It's either Houston or it might be the Rangers. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah one They of have a double-A team in Frisco in the Texas League. So Yeah, no. That, little, that's little trivia good. there. Don't, don't call it Frisco. It's San Don't call Francisco. Frisco. They hate it. Uh, I don't know. It, it, interesting thought there. I'm not as high on the Niners season long as Sterling was. We talked about this when we did our predictions uh, late last week. I, I think they're going to have some struggles, especially with Purdy quarterback. But as he alluded to, if you want a stiff test to start the year, bring in a young quarterback who may not be the best on the move and let him go up against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith to open the season. I'm glad he brought up Colton McKivitz because that's the question mark that I have. It's, it's not like we're talking about Trent Williams dealing with T.J. Watt. Trent Williams is going to deal with, right. with Alex Highsmith. That's fine. Colton McKivitz is T.J. Watt. That, that's that's the tough draw in my book. If I'm looking at Trent Williams and Colton McKivitz, and they're, if you're like drawing straws, Colton McKivitz is holding the short one because he's going to deal with T.J. Watt, and that's not easy. And it's not just because of T.J. Watt's impact as a pass rusher. It's about what he can do when he doesn't get to the quarterback. He can get his hands up. He can knock passes down. We've seen him just go up and intercept passes just out of the quarterback's hands. We've seen him do that, and he makes it look really easy. And it's kind of not fair how he does that. So Colton McKivitz has to deal with a guy that not only might be able to beat him physically and get to the quarterback, but also still beat him and take the ball out of the quarterback's hands even if he doesn't get there. That is a really tough draw, and you got to deal with other guys past him the rest of the season moving forward, I think losing Mike McGlinchey is a big blow to them. And he talked about how good of a run blocker Mike McGlinchey is. And like I said before, he was a top 10 pick when San Francisco got him back in the draft when they first brought him in. So not just from a Brock Purdy standpoint, but from a run game standpoint, San Francisco might have some issues. I don't think their offensive line is going to be as good as it was last year when they had one of the best pairs of tackles. I think that's a problem for them. I'm with you. I think they can be good. I think they will start the season with some issues, although the schedule this season does favor them a bit. Being in the NFC West favors them because I think the Rams are down. I think Cardinals the Cardinals – oh, my yeah. God. Like, let's not even start. You know it's bad when the Heisman when the Heisman winner from last year is already talking about, hey, I might not necessarily go with the draft this year. You, you, you don't need to draft me. You yeah. don't need to draft me. I'm good. Basically, he's telling you Arizona, don't even try it. Like, he's Eli Manning and John Elway and them, for those who get, who get the reference. He's already letting it be known, hey, don't even look in this direction. That's how bad Arizona is. But By that helps the 49 I get to Arizona, it will be never. <laughs> Public exactly. enemy, kids, look it up. Um, exactly. I love so, so let's put the chess pieces out on the board. We'll do that next. And we'll ask ourselves, if we're the Niners, how do we attack the Steelers on both sides of the ball? We do that next alongside Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. This is fourth down in the Steel City.
in-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Welcome back in Fourth Down in the Steel City. Be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast in whatever app you use to get your podcast. If you're in your Odyssey app, which by the way, it's free. Why don't you have it yet? A-U-D-A-C-Y. Go to those three little dots up there in the corner, tap them, and then tap follow to make sure you're getting notified as soon as new episodes. See, see where Josh is pointing? It's up there. Just look up, 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 yeah, up there and tap follow. You'll get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Uh, you can do the same in whatever app you use to get your podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You know how to follow your favorite stuff. Make sure you follow Fourth Down in the Steel City or just go to YouTube, the 93.7 The Fan Channel, and hit that little notification bell and you'll get notified every, that's below. The, the, the other stuff was up, that's down. Um, and you'll get notified as soon as new episodes are available. You can watch the show there, you can see these lovely faces as well as hear these lovely voices. All right, Josh, we, we talked about it a little bit. The chess pieces are out on the board now. Uh, let's put ourselves in Kyle Shanahan's shoes and ask ourselves first on the offensive side of the ball, we got, just got done talking about the edge rushers the Steelers have available. We know the soft spots may still be in the middle of the defense. We're not sure about Holcomb and Roberts and Alexander. Not quite sure about the rotation at safety and Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ. I mean, I look at it and I see that much like Sterling Bennett just told us from 95-7 the game in San Francisco, the soft spot to attack is the middle of the field. And I'm going to attack that middle of the field, attack those inside linebackers, force Minka Fitzpatrick maybe to come down into the box, some to help out in coverage. And then from there, I'm going to pass to set up the run. Now I'm going to have the opportunity, once I've loosened things up and I've got linebackers dropping maybe a step early because they want to get ahead of things, and I've got safeties maybe focusing on George Kittle or focusing on Debo Samuel crossing the formation, well, that's when I just start handing it off to Christian McCaffrey. And maybe I've only got seven in the box to work against, and I've got confused backers and safeties. This is something that's worried me since I was up at training camp, is the communication between these backers and safeties, especially when you're rotating the, the cast, the personnel, as frequently as they may be. I talked about KZ and Neil at safety. We're talking about, we don't know who, right? Shannon Sullivan, maybe Pat Pete moving inside at nickelback. We're talking about Roberts. Uh, Holcomb, Alexander, at inside linebacker, all rotating in there. All of a sudden, you turn around, and maybe you haven't seen this particular look with that particular guy who's standing next to you, and that's when things can start to go haywire. That's, if I were Kyle Shanahan, how I would attack the Steelers' defense. There's one really critical question that San Francisco was going to have to answer before I think anything else comes into play, and that is, will George Kittle play? That's got to be your, your main question. And if I'm the Steelers defense, I'm not changing anything in my game plan until I see him on the sidelines not wearing a uniform. Yeah. Until I see that, I assume he is playing, and I assume my game plan is going to account for him because you're absolutely right. If Kittle plays, which I honestly expect him to, yeah. if he plays, the middle of the field is pretty much his oyster. And you're right. Everything else can funnel from there. However, even if he does not play, it becomes a situation where maybe you kind of turn this on his ear. You might have to be a little bit more conventional. You might have to run the ball to set up the pass. But here's the sticking point. You got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. And Kyle Juszczyk is the guy blocking for him. But, oh, yeah, that guy split out wide. He could run the ball, too. 
and he actually likes running into people. Debo Samuel is not wired like the average wide receiver. Remember, Pittsburgh fans, we have a guy here who wasn't wired like the average wide receiver, and he liked hitting people too. Now, I'm not saying Debo Samuel was Heinz Ward, but they might have a little bit of a similar philosophy. They both like contact. And Debo Samuel will get the ball out of the backfield, and he can be a factor in the run game. So now you got two guys that can really be a problem in the run game of McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you can also split them both wide. So now it becomes a pick your poison. Who are you keying on? Who are you trying to stop? So we can talk about Kittle all we want, but once you get off Kittle, you still got to deal with these other two guys. So even if he is not available to take up the middle of the field, the run game might account for taking up the middle of the field and giving you opportunities for a Brandon Ayuk to beat you deep because, oh, yeah, by the way, he's really capable of doing that. And if I'm Brandon Ayuk, sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm still here. Right. You know, I, you're talking about the other guys, but I'm still here too. I can play too. And sometimes that's kind of something that gets lost in the shuffle. Same thing with Elijah Mitchell. He's like, hey, I can run the ball. Like, what about me? Like, I'm here. So technically, you got three guys that can hurt you in the run game. So yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at whether that kettle plays, but even if he doesn't, you got to be ready to stop the run. And your question was about, you know, the the alignment in the back half of the defense. My question is the alignment in the front half. Can they be good and consistent at stopping the run game? They improved last year, and that's great. Keanu Benton's on up front on this unit now, and that is also great. But can they improve at stopping the run? Because that's one of Terrell Austin's major, major sticking points as a defensive coordinator. He wants to be able to challenge quarterbacks and get after them in the pass rush. But a key element to that is stopping the run first and forcing teams to become one-dimensional. And if you can't do that, it becomes a problem. Yeah, that's I, I'm, I'm going to – the first, I think the first guy we all keep an eye on on Sunday morning as it turns into Sunday afternoon, like you said, is George Kittle. Is he in there and is he dressed? Is he active? Is he actually running routes? Uh, from there, obviously, it goes to Christian McCaffrey because you. I want to see how are they utilizing, and even if Kittle's not available, how are they using McCaffrey? Where are they lining him up? Uh, what are they asking him to do? You know, what kind of run plays are they using? Are they trying to get them outside on these zone stretch, you know, zone read stretch type plays? Or are they simply saying, we know you may be soft in the middle. We know you've got a rookie like Benton. We know you've got Ogan Joby and then a bunch of dudes, right? Montrevious Adams and guys, right? Uh, we're still not sure about DeMar Leal. If I'm the Niners, you're right. That does feed in. That funnels into the idea, well, let's run to set up the pass. Um, but that's the thing is, both of those strategies work if you're Kyle Shanahan, yeah. I, especially if yeah. Kittle's healthy. Even if Kittle's not healthy, great. I'll move Ayuk and Samuel all over the formation. I'll bring McCaffrey out of the backfield. I'll line him up in the slot. I can still there attack the middle of the field and pass to go. set up the run. So, yeah, there's a lot to game plan for, and you're right. Um, I think Terrell Austin was asked about it on – I can't keep track of what day it is anymore – Thursday, uh, Thursday morning, and, and basically said uh, if – What's our plan? Well, we'd love to have 12 guys out there. That's how, that's, <laughs> you know, and, and to a certain extent, that's what they're trying to do when they Frankenstein the strong safety position together or Frankenstein the inside linebacker position together or nickelback. They're kind of using as many strengths to mask as many weaknesses of other guys and, and kind of trying to use 12 people, for lack of a better way to put it. I just don't know if there's any way short of actually putting the 12th guy on the field that you neutralize this Niners offense. 
Well, there's only a couple places I know where they get away with that. One is Seattle and the other one's College Station, Texas. And it probably doesn't work as well as College Station. That's that's a really bad SEC joke if you know you know. But yeah, to your exactly. point, to your point, um, I, I agree with that because it's going to be one of two things. There really is no in-between for me. They're either going to find the alignment between how they're using all these safeties and defensive backs and find that deployment and find that, that comfort zone and they're going to do the same thing with the inside linebackers, and it, it somehow magically works, or it's going to really become a problem. And by week six, week seven, we're like, okay, can they put two linebackers together that work? Can they put, you know, a, a collection of DBs together that work? And in, in my estimation, it has to be the former. They're going to have to try to find a way to make this work, or teams like Seattle won't be the only ones that exploit it. They won't be the only ones that expose it. There's going to have to be some kind of combination that works. And I think Greg and I talked about this earlier in the week. You know, I expect the Steelers to come with some kind of, you know, hybrid dime, maybe a big dime with that third safety in there and having KZ with, you know, um, Micah Fitzpatrick and, and maybe somebody else on the field trying to mix these guys around, maybe putting Keanu Neal down in the box and KZ deep with Micah Fitzpatrick or finding some kind of alignment where you got maybe six or seven DBs, who knows, maybe even eight DBs in the game trying to find a way to account for everything these guys can do. Because we talked about it. Those three guys, Kittle McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, you have to account for them. You have no choice. And you could get caught up accounting for them. And somebody like Mitchell and I, you can kill you. So there's there's got to be some alignment, some configuration they find out on defense. Because if they don't, it could be a disaster with this offense. Yeah. Let's circle back around and wrap things up talking about uh, something we started the podcast talking about, and that's if you're the Steelers' defense, now that you've got Nick Bosa at your disposal, who knows how many plays he's good to go with, if it's just in passing situations, whatever. You've got all these other weapons on the defensive side of the ball, Ufongo, Warner, Greenlaw. You, you just run down the list. Wobble, baby, wobble. Don't forget. <laughs> Don't forget. He's there now, too. Right. How do you attack Kenny Pickett? I still stand by the idea of I'm taking the run away because I saw how impotent this offense could be at times last year when the run was taken away from them. Now, their quarterback has grown since then. Absolutely. We saw Pickett grow down the second half of last season. And I think we've seen him grow in the preseason as well. But if I'm the Niners, I'm going to say, prove it to me. Prove it to me when the real bullets start to fly. We're actually here. It's the regular season. Let's see if you really have grown the way everybody says you have. I'm taking the run game away. And Kenny, I'm going to ask you to throw 35, 40 times and see if, if, if we can force the offense onto Kenny Pickett's shoulders. I'm San Francisco. I'm, I'm okay walking out of here with a loss in week one, 24 to 17, 24 to 20, because we put it on the kid quarterback, the second-year quarterback, and said, beat us. And okay, he stepped up to the challenge and beat us. But I didn't let the run game beat me because I I, I know ultimately this is going to be a low-scoring game. This is a game about controlling the clock. I don't want to let the Steelers control the clock. Um, so if I'm the Niners, that's 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 my tactic. It's it's shut it down with eight in the box and make Pickett beat us over the top. I feel the same way you do, but I'm going to describe it a little bit differently. Because, yes, eventually the guy who is the most affected by it is Kenny Pickett. But if I'm San Francisco, my approach to it is throw everything you can at this offensive line. Yes, they brought in Isaac Sayomalo. He was my wish list guy. During the offseason, I'm like, man, I'd love to get a guy like that. And they did. I'm not denying that part. 
But San Francisco's got a really good front. And we talked about those linebackers. And we talked about Hufanga, who might be might be one of my top three favorite safeties in the game. I love mm-hmm. what he does. Because that defense, they don't just hit you. They hurt you. We have seen receivers in the second half of games, they catch passes, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going down. I'm not, I'm not taking this anymore. Because you got 11 dudes just trying to kill whoever has the ball. And then the second half of games, are like, you know what, I give up. There, there was a period, I want to say all but one team that San Francisco faced last year won the following week after playing the 49ers, and it might have been Kansas City. Everybody else, they just physically just bruise. They just yeah. beat them up beat like up. Rocky with the side of beef. So if I'm the 49ers, I'm looking at this offensive line going, I'm throwing every single dart, every single arrow I can at you to see how well you can protect this kid. Because if you can't, we are going to kill him. And they are not kidding when they say that. That's yeah. the test for me. Can this offensive line hold up? Dan Moore is going in as a starter. He, he outlasted brother Jones, a first-round pick, from the team that I call the Roman Reigns of college football. But Dan Moore beat that guy out. And now he's facing Nick Bosa in week one. He's going to have to win that matchup or at least hold his own as best as he can with both arms and both legs. Because if he can't, it becomes a problem. Isaac Sayamalu was probably the one guy I don't worry about. But Mason Cole and James Daniels, they've got their hands uh, hands full in the middle too because we talk about Javon Hargrave being over there. Walt was pretty good at stopping the run from what I remember during his time here in Pittsburgh. And Eric Armstead is no slouch either. Another yeah. first-round pick they got on that line. So you got a lot of tests up here. And we haven't even talked about what the linebackers and the safety can do if they find themselves in the defensive backfield. So if I'm San Francisco, I'm throwing everything at this offensive line, whether it is run or pass, I'm going to test you. I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to throw everything at you because you're running back and your quarterback. If you can't do what I'm getting thrown at you and you can't deal with it, it's going to be a long day for those guys. And they're going to look way worse by the end of the game. He's Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Matt, Greg Finley producing. This has been the latest episode of fourth down of the steel city. We thank you for subscribing. If you already have, we thank you for downloading and listening or watching on YouTube. If you haven't yet, again, subscribe, download, rate, review. We appreciate it. Get you ready for Steelers, Niners, and kickoff of the 2023 NFL season. On tomorrow's episode, fourth down in the Steel City, we told you what we think the Niners should do. We'll we'll be building the Steelers game plan. How do they attack this San Francisco defense that we just lavished praise on in the San Francisco offense with all the weapons at Brock Birdie's disposal? And fourth down in the Steel City, pick them. Yes. Josh, Greg, and I will go through and pick all of this weekend's NFL games against the spread. That's all on tomorrow's episode, which, again, you got to make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast so that you get alerted when it's ready. Do that right now inside your Odyssey app. Download it. It's free. Why wouldn't you download the free app? A-U-D-A-C-Y. And we'll do it again tomorrow right here on 4th Down in Steel City.